Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Hello. Listen to this. It's the sound of a free finger. My finger is free. Yes. After two months in various casts and dressings and splints and zimmers, Kersher wires, there it is in the open air. I can't believe it's been that long. Two months. Yeah. It's looking quite swollen. Yeah. It's, it's, it, looks, it looks disgusting, doesn't it? It's, it's not looks, disgusting. It looks very sausagey. Well, my finger's a sausage to begin with. Well, so, <laughs> so this is a whole new level of sausage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, jumbo, jumbo it, sausage. Yeah, if you look at that, because I can't really move it. No, but oh. if you if you look at it, it imagine it wasn't swollen. Yeah, if you can just get that swelling down. Yeah. Uh, imagine me pointing in kind of a wizened way. Yes, yes. During a thunderstorm at mm. something spooky, mm. maybe a haunted castle. I think it's it's at that angle, isn't it? It is at that angle, yeah. yeah. It it needs to be a bit quavery as well. Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, I accidentally um put it in my mouth yesterday. I accidentally put it in your mouth while well, you got some food on it and you're like Well you know what it's yeah, yeah, the thing is it's not sucking the... your finger seductively no, no. to your wife. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> um yeah, it's, but it's not, it's not, it didn't taste good. It smelled awful as well when I uh, had the dressing removed. I tried to get Sarah to sniff it and she wouldn't. I'm not surprised. That's disgusting. Is it? Yes. I think that would have been a nice act of love. It would have been revolting. Anyway, I've given it a good wash now, but it's uh, it's very strange. He says if I if I keep doing exercises and applying uh, and apply ice, he says you've got to work hard, and then eventually you should have something like um, almost full full mobility. Almost. 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 But what were you doing with your hands? It's not like you're a, oh you are a piano player. <laughs> I know, but not really. <laughs> no, not professional, not professional piano <laughs> no. player. So I'm you've been a... doing your exercises every day. I hope so. I have been doing exercises. Good, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, yeah, good, yeah, good. yeah. Been... Look at you doing exercise on your finger. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I'm proud of you. Um, so yeah, it's back. My finger is back. Um, let me tell you about something that happened at the weekend. So I think I've mentioned before, my son's hair is very, very curly, mm. and because of that, we we can't get through a day out in the world without many strangers commenting on it. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's quite extreme. What sort of things do they say? Oh, I love your hair. Look at that hair. Really? What, you know, and it, it, 
it's funny because I think I would love getting compliments everywhere I went. Me too. But it seems to annoy him. Oh, yeah. Okay, everyone should know this then. Don't don't say it to a child. Just yeah. say it to an adult with low self esteem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like if you say it to me about my child, oh. it in some way boosts my self esteem. Okay. Okay. But maybe say it out of earshot yeah. of him. Or write you a note. Yes. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, that's like part of our our life. So we are on the London Underground the other day. And there is a gentleman down the carriage near the doors. He's standing up and he is listening to music on headphones, mm. it would appear, because he's also dancing to it. <laughs> um, and he, he clocks Jean's hair and he starts pointing at it, going, great hair, great hair, man, love your hair. Now, you know... I suppose I should be trying to balance um, don't interact with strangers behaving mm. strangely yeah. with uh, my, my need to always be polite to everybody. Mm-mm, this is difficult. It is really yeah. difficult because I, I have my thing and it's not necessarily the thing that I want him to have, but I, I, I am just at pains, even if somebody seems like they're in a whole world of their own. Mm. I, I still can't do what Sarah, for example, can, and just shut it down or ignore them. Okay. I, I, have to, I have to be polite. So I'm trying to give this guy a thumbs up whilst not embroiling Gene in it. And he's giving me the big thumbs up back and he's dancing. And he's almost dancing in such a way that I think, should I join him with a dance? Oh, God, okay, yeah, yeah. Such so about this time, um, years and years ago, uh, I hosted a, a secret concert that the charlatans were doing. Mm. And I found myself in the wings with the lead singer, Tim Burgess, as he was waiting to go on. So what was going to happen is I was going to go on the stage and introduce them. Then they were going to come on. Mm. So there's like a DJ playing loud music, pumping music. And to get himself in the mood, he's dancing. Mm. But he's kind of dancing at me. Oh God. So then I feel oh God. a bit like I need to dance as well. Oh, but I... I oh. I don't have the moves. And I think it was one of my most uncomfortable moments. And there's almost a lick of this again now on the tube. The guy's moving. So I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is give him the thumbs up and move my thumbs in a way that are almost dancey, but I'm not getting the rest of my body involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I do that and then point to to my ears like, oh, you listen to some cool music, man. Mm -hmm. At which point he comes over and shows me what he's listening to. Mm. It's a podcast on French geopolitics. <laughs> that is so unexpected. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. He then starts telling me exactly what he's going to have for his dinner. Okay. But with a lot of adjectives to de- describe uh, the the meat. Okay. Which as a vegetarian, I don't go no do great with. Not but for you. I'm in too deep at this point, so yeah, I keep yeah. going with the thumbs up and uh, big smiley face. Off he goes at the next stop. But him him dancing to um dancing to a podcast reminded me that I once witnessed somebody dancing to stand up comedy. Did you? Yes. So mid late nineties, mm-hmm. an area of Manchester called Hume. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, the area had been quite synonymous with some quite deep-rooted social ills, and c- certainly uh, for for some of the past decade, had, had been thought of by some people as a bit of a a no-go area. And yeah, there was that that mid late nineties regeneration money came flooding in, and they built a beautiful bridge over the. Um, 
over the main road that went through. It's like a, like almost like a motorway kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was for some reason, and like looking back, it's it's difficult to make sense of it. But I was put in charge of arranging a celebration of the opening <laughs> of this new bridge over the motorway. Okay, which was going to regenerate the the whole neighbourhood of Hume and rid it of its social ills. So it was a marquee, and they asked me to book some comedy mm-hmm. and to compare with Pete, my old uh, my old double act partner. So sure, and I, I, you know, as as I still do, had a lot of friends who were comedians back then, uh, but they were fledgling comedians. So this was great. There's a bit of money floating around. I can pay some people I like and fr- I'm friendly with to to perform more money than they get for a regular gig. Great. So I booked three acts, all local Manchester acts. Two of them were salt of the earthy. Mm-hmm. The other one was Chris Addison. Okay. Who I think I think probably to a lot of people just just he might he might even read as southern to a lot of people. Right. But Chris is from Manchester. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, Chris was about as he was sort of the ceiling of how posh a person could be. <laughs> like, I think his dad was a doctor or something. Right, so, right. so like, I, Chris was as posh a person that I, I'd ever met. But also, like, this brilliant, brilliant comic. He'd not been doing it long, and he was just obviously destined for great things. So, I'll have Chris headlining then, because uh, he's fantastic. I think maybe he was even doing a bit of TV by that stage. So, um, so we all troop along to this marquee. And um, it was ticketed. Like, we'd, we'd given away tickets, I think, via the radio, but the the community had decided on mass that the, the, the that it was a non ticketed event, mm-hmm. and no nobody was arguing with that. Okay, so it was a very mixed crowd. Right, I think there might have been free alcohol, and I think that might have been the thing that it was sponsored. I think so. Uh, okay. So I think people had just heard there was free booze. Right, right. I don't think many of them had been to a stand-up comedy gig before now. Okay. Hence, there was one woman dancing to the comedy. Right. <laughs> and me and Pete went on to welcome people and say, uh, it's going to be a great night. And before I even opened my mouth, somebody shouted, Oi, Specky. Oh, right. And then the the a large proportion of the rest of the crowd were then inspired to shout Specky by the first person who'd shouted it. So, so I couldn't get any words out without people because you know i was wearing glasses right yeah yeah that's um yeah that, that, that's worthy of uh taunting somebody and let's say these days i think i hope yeah i, I hope, hope so i, I hope, hope so yeah. too but but at that point yeah yeah it, I, I couldn't open my mouth on a stage because i was wearing glasses without people okay. shouting specky mm. but first act on local lad called tony burgess still works a lot in manchester i think really proficient comic um, he, he used to have a, like a, I don't know what his act is like these days, but he used to have a bit of a sort of scally Liam Gallagher thing. It went went down very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we go back on to introduce the next act. I'm just met with a barrage of specky, so I just let Pete say, it and I just stand <laughs> <God>. there. <laughs> um, and it's uh, a guy called Smug Roberts, who again, um, local working class act, very good. He was, uh, if anybody remembers it, the the brains behind the 1998 World Cup novelty song that I was involved with, Meat Pie Sausage Roll, Come On England, Give Us a Goal. Okay. And uh, he's great. And uh, 
yeah, still does comedy in Manchester to this day and elsewhere and is, is, is very good. He goes down reasonably well. I think the, the, the dancing lady is a distraction. Right. I think some other bizarre stuff is going on. This was back when people could still smoke indoors. Okay. Um, and and I, I don't have a great nose. It's not, not one of my gifts telling different smells apart. But there were definitely some smells of things being smoked that, that were beyond my field of knowledge. Uh, okay. 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 Gotcha. Not just the usuals. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, so then he finishes and it's just starting at this point to just to, to become a bit of a, a, a rammy. It feels chaotic. There's a lot of shouting. I think the free bar has been pretty much drunk dry. It's, 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 it's feeling a little bit out of hand. Mm-mm. Pete says, shall I just go and introduce Chris? I, I say yes. So Pete then goes on to introduce Chris. And as soon as he does, everyone starts shouting out, where's Specky? Oh, That was nice. Oh. They, 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 they missed me. <laughs> they missed insulting you. <laughs> they missed me, Annabelle. Oh. And then Chris went on and <laughs> Yeah. So if people don't know Chris Addison, as I say, he's he's his whole shtick, certainly early on, was a kind of middle class mm. uh um, um, middle class eye rolling. It, it, it was a lot better. That makes it that really oversimplifies it. It's very reductive. It was a lot better than that. But that that was sort of an element of it, but sort of middle class superiority was was part of it. And it it turns out that correcting the hecklers on their grammar <laughs> wasn't a strategy that was working well for him. Okay. And, and somebody at some point shouts out, you've got a face like a bag of sparrows. <laughs> bag of sparrows. And obviously I mean bag of spanners. Which is the, <laughs> and, and Chris then points this out and starts, then what is that, a bag of sparrows? What does that look like? And starts miming what a face like a bag of sparrows. Mm. And, and it, it, it feels at this point like a, a, a riot is about to oh, break out. So he, he yeah, finishes his set, gets off. And we don't hang around. We don't hang around to celebrate the right. uh, the new arch that's been built in Hume. Uh, we decide to leave, head back into town and go to uh, go to a Chinese restaurant. Don't know why I've, there's a lot of detail there. Of what type of restaurant <laughs> it was? Um, my memory is that we stepped over one of those chalk outlines, right? But uh, that almost feels so cartoony. I'm not yeah. sure that it was real. Yeah, that can't be. No. But that anyway. Uh, so so we go to this restaurant, and then later we're in a taxi going onto a club because we were young, and that's the kind of thing young people do. <laughs> and the local news came on, and it had in fact. Um, descended into a riot and somebody had turned up with a machete not long after we'd left. No! Uh, yeah. You were in charge of organising that. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. That's quite something, isn't it? You know, a lot of the time if people organise an event, it is, you know, it's, they get some kind of bonus if something ends up on the news. Can you tell me the thing that shocks me the most? Yeah. That you had the admin to organise an event. Like the admin skills. I know, I did oh, quite a bit of that. By, I did quite what? a bit of that, but it's a, I don't understand it either. No, wow. I mean, there was a lot less admin back then. It was just uh, sending some faxes. Oh, well, still. still. <laughs> yeah. But I would habitually like have dozens of unlistened to messages on my voicemail. Well, this is more like it. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> and I told you as well that the, my desk in the radio station where we were based at the time... Um, we moved into a new building and the the like the fire brigade came around to do an assessment and the only thing in the entire oh, building no, that was no. deemed a fire hazard was my desk. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. 
All right, let's hear from the drifters then. Oh, drifters. Can I just firstly say, remember last week I was... uh, I was complaining a bit, wasn't I? Yeah, we're, I was a bit disappointed. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, people had let you down by not sending in their stories. And we, we then blamed ourselves because we were off because I had my surgery mm. and then you had a holiday. And yeah. we, there was just a lot of the summer we weren't around for. And yeah. I think people thought, well, but if you, you can't show up, I'm not going to show up with my correspondence. Well, I came to my inbox this morning. I wasn't feeling so great. I think it's this whole, like, it was summer and now it's winter. I wasn't feeling the, my brightest spirits. Oh, I'm sorry. I read me. all the emails. I was a new person, happy again, made me laugh so much. Thank you very much. Oh, that's good. so nice. They came through for oh, you. Oh, God, so many brilliant stories. Thank you so, so much. It's been absolutely lovely. And I want more now. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to have a nice time next week as well. You're giving me a nice morning. Come on. First one's from Anon. We have very close friends who are the most undriftery people ever. They talk very fast, forever argue and have no concept of personal space or boundaries. They also have three young children and live in a very chaotic lifestyle, juggling full-time careers, school, life, etc. Not content with the chaos, they are also having house renovations done, but this didn't stop them inviting us around recently to see the progress. After being dragged through each room to hear about the various things the builders have got wrong, I pointed to a box shape in the bathroom and asked what it was, to be told it was a water softener. Is your water hard? I asked. Well, there's actually a funny story about that. Let me tell you what happened. Amidst the chaos of building and three young children running around, our friends had decided the risk of having any more children was too high and therefore had opted for a vasectomy. The procedure was straightforward and our friend was happily raving about how quick it had been and went into a little too much detail of the ins and outs of it for my liking and also explained that after a certain amount of time, a sample needs to be provided to the hospital in order to check that there is now no risk of getting pregnant. Our friend had worked out the dates and realised he was a week out and should be providing a sample pronto. A few shouts back and forth upstairs to his wife. He asked where the sample pot and bag was. She replied it was on the table and so he selected the kit and went off to do what needed to be done. Sample produced. It became apparent he'd forgotten where to take it and another shout upstairs told him to call the number on the bag. This is how the conversation went. Hello, hi, yes, sir. I've had a vasectomy and need to bring in my sample in the cup thing, but I can't remember where to go. Excuse me? My sample, you know, semen, it's in that cup thing and it's fresh and ready to be brought in. You know, I don't know which clinic. Sorry, I don't understand. What, Jesus, the wee cup thing with my semen in it? Can you at least tell me where I need to go? I know it's got to be done within a certain amount of time and I've just got it all ready to go. Sorry, but this is a water treatment and softening company. I can't really help you. <laughs> At this point, I would have put the phone down, written my own obituary and now be living in Peru in a vow of silence. But non-drifters, nah, they just say, oh, sorry to bother you and never think about it again. They genuinely walk amongst us. Wow. Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. (laughs) This is from Regal Earl Nick. This happened to me at work about 10 years ago. I still work for the same company, but most, if not all of those who were present have moved on and we have moved buildings. If I still had a chance of being in the same room with the same people, I'd have been out of here years ago. One of those present was called Annabelle. And in fact, in the early days of your podcast, even hearing your name brought this to the front of my mind. (laughs) 
We were on a team building day or something like that. About 10 of us sat in a room and we were all given a piece of paper with a long list of numbered tasks written on it and asked to complete them within five minutes. The first task on the list was read everything carefully before doing anything, followed by put your name in the upper right hand corner. Then followed many other various math problems, instructions to draw shapes, shouting out your name, shouting I have, tapping out the rhythm to the Simpsons theme tune, ask your neighbour if they like the tune and loudly calling out I am nearly finished, I followed your directions. Then there was the last task, which was this. Now you've finished reading everything, just do sentences one and two. Keep busy so that the others will continue to read without disturbance from you. Do not make any sign to give a clue to you having completed the assigned task. Guess who didn't read all the way to the end before starting? Oh, no. Now, maybe this sort of thing is common now, (laughs) or maybe it was common then, but I'd not come across it. So I didn't do task one, read everything carefully before doing anything. I pressed straight on with task two, then three, and all the way through, (laughs) right up to the last task, which I hadn't read until that point. No one else said anything during the whole test. No shouting out of name. No, I have. I was the only one tapping out the Simpsons. Annabelle next to me smiled when I asked if she liked it. I tell myself that everyone assumed I was a plant, put there deliberately to do it wrong and so to set an example. But we all know better. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, Please send us your story. It is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle? Yes. How's it going on your old Substack? Oh, thanks for asking. Tell you something weird about last week. So thanks to everyone who subscribed to my Substack, annabelleport.substack.com. So the title of my Substack was something along the lines of uh, losing control of my body in a very public way. The subtitle was, I've never even told this to the father of my child. Now, Tom, who gets my Substack newsletter in his inbox and always reads them, Hasn't read it. Would you read? Would you read that and think, "Oh, I'm going to read that"? Yes, and I'd be intrigued. He's scared that it might fundamentally Um, alter your relationship, which it probably would. Come to think about it, (laughs) I have had. So this was the Mile End incident, which you may remember. Going, I told this story maybe five years ago, and never ever spoken to anyone else before or since. It's always been like just between you and the drifters. Yes, and that's it. I've had a few people saying, oh, wow, that's very brave of you to like, that's so, I can't believe you said all that. And I think I'm just too used to like saying everything. I, and it just, I suddenly thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have shared that. I don't know. No, I think it would have been very helpful for people. Do you think? I yeah. don't know. I had how, to, how many people have unsubscribed? <laughs> I think it was only two, okay. which is quite good. <laughs> yeah, I had a few regrets about that. So anyway, this week it's about... Uh, my emotional repression and inability to say I love you. Great. Mm. I feel uncomfortable even just hearing you say yeah. my inability to say I love you. I love it's, you. Those words do not fall out of your mouth no, very easily at all. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, search for Annabelle's name on Substack. Or just on Google. On Google as yeah, well, yeah. yeah. pop up. Um, and do you have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? I do. So I think we're both in agreement that if there's going to be a night out, karaoke is one of the best ways to do it yes we both like karaoke yes. right i think it's good for drifters as well that the way it is now the small booth with friends it's a safe space space safe space safe space with not much interaction not much small talk going on it's a good thing right i love karaoke my partner tom slightly less so and while i can't sing we can agree on that right 
I think, personally, I think he's a different level of bad. I think he's a terrible, terrible singer. Are you going to disagree with me? Um, I mean, I'm bad. Mm. But I just think, I'm not even sure it's it's singing that comes out of his mouth. I know what you mean. <laughs> the, t- the two of you, like one of my favourite things this year has been hearing the two of you sing I Got You Babe together. Oh yeah, though. we did a duet. I mean, I, and I was quite bad on that. But, but it, it didn't feel like a mismatch. Mm, okay. What about when he did Spaceman? Yeah, that was that was not good. That wasn't good. Did he sing it all falsetto or something? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a falsetto yeah. song. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, just, I couldn't stop laughing the no, whole way through. No, it was that bad. Yeah, yeah. But... I don't know. You both have gusto and a bit of self-awareness, which is all you, all you need. Okay, okay. So when he said to me that he was going to karaoke last Friday night, in fact, he told me in the afternoon, my only concern was for everyone else's ears, especially as he was going to karaoke for the birthday of someone from his tennis club who doesn't actually know that well. I also did think it was a bit weird that he'd been asked to choose the song he wanted to sing in advance, but I didn't think too much about it because I was more worried about myself because Tom had only announced this karaoke night on the Friday afternoon and I'd booked tickets to a talk by one of my favourite authors at the local library, Jonathan Cove, if you're interested. Oh, I love Jonathan Cove. Me too. And that started at 7.30pm and we didn't have a babysitter. But I figured, like, how long is a talk going to go on for by an author? Like, maybe an hour. I'll be home by 8.45. Tom can go out there. He was fine with that. I arrived at the talk. It was busier than I expected. And there was only one seat left. And it was on the other side of the room from the entrance and exit. And as soon as it started, I realised, oh, this isn't going to be an hour, is it? There was an interviewer and it really felt like everyone was settled in for a full evening and I was completely trapped. I mean, there were quite a few people, maybe 70 to 100 people, but I'm going to be very visible if I get up and walk out. And this is so stressful for me because I can't concentrate on anything anyone is saying. Let me tell you something. I I don't like going on stage particularly, but I do, do find that I host live events from time to time. First thing I do when I get on a stage is explain to people how long it's going to be oh. and and whether there'll be a toilet break and whether it's going to because that's I, I can't relax until I have that information yeah, yeah 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 and I can only think about how I'm trapped and how yeah. I'm going to get out yes and admittedly it's a talk by a novelist so I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get heckled as I leave but the author and everyone is going to think I'm leaving because it's boring or because you've been triggered or because I'm triggered but also really that I'm just rude for not putting up with it but I'm making a <laughs> statement I'm standing up while everyone is seated and walking round and walking out there are two things that give me hope the only spare seat that I could take was at the end of a row so there'd be no excuse me's and other people having to stand up that would have been the worst Mm -hmm. there was also a door right by me like less than two meters away and it is open so I could potentially make my escape from there and it would still involve standing up unless I slithered like a snake (laughs) but it could be all over and done within a matter of seconds but and this is a big but I had no idea where this door leads The angle at which I'm sitting and the breeze I'm enjoying only indicates that it's somewhere outside. So it could lead to sweet freedom or it could be an exit which takes me on and it could take me into the street in a way. But my brain can't just assume that. It has to think about all the terrible alternatives like some enclosed courtyard or garden where I would be trapped until the talk ended. Like with a locked gate or barbed wire. Yes, yes, yes. Like no way I could go back in again. I would just have to stay there until the end. So I'm trying to picture the outside of the library and mentally map it to see if I can figure out what's there, but I just can't do it. I don't even think I've ever been down the street that I think the side must be on. So here are my options. 
I wait to the end and be very late home and face Tom's fury. I get up and draw attention to myself by leaving by the exit I know will take me outside or I risk the door to the unknown. What would you do? I know. I think I'd face the fury. Would you? Sarah's fury, though, is much worse than Tom's fury. And and Sarah, like, if if I am two minutes late, it is... What if you were an hour late and she was supposed to be going out? I mean, I can't. Well, firstly, she'd think I was dead. Well, of course, she'd have come to the library by now, dragged you out. Yeah, or the police would have been (laughs) something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she'd start doing find my iPhone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So what did you do? Well, I'm not a risk taker at all, Mm. ever. But I can't bear the other two options. So I wait until 8.30. And then I wait until there's a light smattering of laughter to attempt to disguise any noise I make. And then I... (laughs) Then I throw myself through that doorway and into a car park. Oh, I'm elated. Thank God for that. Like if there's cars. When you got up, do you describe to me your body position? Were you like, um, you know, when like Neanderthal man's learning to stand up? (laughs) So he's not quite a crouch. It was a lurch. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was such a lurch. Oh, so if there's cars, they must have got there somehow. Yes. Unless it's some code operated unscalable Uh, gate. uh, But it's not. I'm I'm free. Oh. Honestly, I don't imagine that recent Wandsworth prison escape he felt any more <laughs> elated and liberated than me at this moment. I get home where I release Tom to his evening at karaoke. The next day, I ask him how it went. He said, horrendous. He said, I walked into a building, into a room of around 300 people. It is not a booth. Oh, no. It is karaoke in front of a huge crowd. That's why they needed his song choice in advance. And the moment he walked in, they called his name. Oh, no. And he had to get up and sing completely sober. And he picked this Elvis song I'd never even heard of. It's not even a well-known <laughs> one. He did it to complete silence. <laughs> I can't even begin to think what everyone thought of him. So all in all, I think I had the better night. (laughs) It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Did I mention last week that it's my 10th wedding anniversary this week? You didn't, no. Yeah, so um, we're talking on Tuesday, 10 years married on Thursday. And um, I still still can't really think what to do. I'm trying to think of something nice, but I can't. Plenty of time, 48 hours. I know. You'll solve this problem. I I work better with a deadline. You do, you really do. Uh, But um, it occurred to me as I was thinking about the podcast today, I thought, oh, I've got all the old um, logs, we call them, all the old um, records of what we talked about on the radio. I wonder if I could look back in time to the first show back after my honeymoon and see if there are any things that happened around my wedding or honeymoon that I've completely forgotten about. Oh. Which is uh, an, an odd position that I'm in because of my old job. So I had a look and here are the things that I mentioned. Okay. 
Number one, mm. that I didn't kiss my wife once on my honeymoon mm. because I caught herpes from my mother-in-law. So weird. I remember her lunging towards me at what they call the rehearsal dinner the day before, and she got a cold sore. And I said, oh, Lynn, I'm not, not sure, is that a cold sore? She said it's not infectious. As we were on the plane on the way to honeymoon, mm. I felt my lips start to tingle. And by the time we'd landed, it was a huge weeping sore. Oh, my God. Your Highly. mother-in-law gave you herpes at your wedding. Yes. Yeah. And um, it, it still comes back to visit me. So, you know. It's a lifelong thing. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A reminder. Yes. So, so, but apart from that, there, there was very little. Um Another thing I talked back on my first show back after I talked about on my first show back after my honeymoon was I'd had an idea to ban auto flush on toilets. You know, some toilets <laughs> in shopping centres have those sensors where when you stand up they can tell and then they flush the toilet yeah, straight away. Yeah, I, I must have encountered one of those on my honeymoon and, and been quite irked by it because um, I felt that they should be banned. Can I say something here? Yeah. I didn't realise that they were supposed to recognise you standing up. I thought you had to wave your hand in front of it. No, so you're on the toilet, right? Yeah. And then when you stand up... Yeah, nothing happens. You're not in front of the sensor anymore and it flushes automatically. Those ones. Oh, Have you not okay. seen those ones? There's not, there's not like a, a circle on the wall. That's something different. No, there is a circle on the wall, but it's, yeah. it's behind your back and then when you move, as you move, the toilet flushes. It doesn't work for me. No, well, I, d I don't like it because, yeah. I, you know, and, and this was the point I was making. Um, people thinking, oh, what's all? We thought he was happy to be a bachelor boy until his dying days. We thought nobody, we thought he was never going to get married. And, and then what's he got to say? I said to have been like quite fixated on auto flush toilets. Right, right. And about how I like to. I just like to reflect on what I've done before a flush. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, this, this to it sounds interesting. Yes. <laughs> And then the only other thing that I mentioned that day, mm. according to the log, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's possible that the log was incomplete. So you, you didn't actually listen to the show. I assume you went back and listened to No, no, to I, the... I don't have the shows oh, anywhere. I don't oh. think, but I have like a, a written record. You used to be, I wasn't going to say, but you used well, to keep notes. I was going to say, I'm, I'm not sure yeah, how, so, how complete I might have been. I'd, who knows? Yes. Yeah. But the only thing that you'd written down that, that you thought was worthy of notes <laughs> Huh? was God. that I'd gone into a branch of Clark's and used a foot measuring machine <laughs> and then got told off <laughs> because... <laughs> and I do remember it was because we went on honeymoon, we went to Martha's Vineyard in the States and then we went to Chicago <laughs> to visit Sarah's grandma who wasn't able to come to the wedding because it was in London. So I think it was when we'd gone back to Chicago, we'd gone to the local shopping precinct, the, the mall, right. and I'd gone to the branch of Clark's there and I just thought, oh, I'm going to measure my foot. I've not been on one of these since I was a kid. And I'd started measuring my foot and the, the, the assistant ran over huffing and puffing and red-faced and told me off that that should only be operated by qualified personnel. Wow. And then, as so often happens when you're in the States, he heard my accent, mm. and he started talking about, um, he'd heard wonderful things about the branch of Clark's in London. Oh. And the way he described it was, I don't know, like it was mecha, like the, the greatest branch of Clark's in the world, and it was mm. magical, and it was like some kind of, palace and uh uh like everybody was dressed from days of yore and I, d I didn't like i didn't want to disappoint him because in my experience mm. 
That's not what Clark's is like. No. Anywhere, really. No. But he seemed to have it in its in his head that... Oh. <laughs> that I don't know if it's Clark's even a British company. I don't know, like, why they would have this magical flagship shop. In, his, in his head, it was like having a Guinness in Ireland. Like, you need to go, yes. to, you need yeah, to, go yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, yeah. England. Yeah. The way he was describing it, like it was Harrods. Mm-hmm. At the peak of its grandeur when they used to sell lions and things. Oh, right, right. But just for shoes. Right, right. And oh. one day he would go there and, oh. and, and look at, gaze upon it with his own eyes. I hope he never went. And I didn't want to uh, disappoint him. Um, so, yeah, nothing, nothing about the actual honeymoon itself <laughs> or the wedding <laughs> well, or anything. Then that again, it was my note, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic Annabelle. Okay, let me get my glasses on. You get them on. Firstly from Ross. Last summer, I went on our first holiday abroad since COVID to the beautiful island of Crete. We were in an all-inclusive hotel with various restaurants on site, which helped me as being autistic, I like structure and sometimes get stressed with change. Anyway, one day my family heard about a restaurant in the nearby town of Elunda, don't have to say that, which other hotel residents recommended to us. We spoke to hotel reception who booked us a table at the restaurant and booked us a taxi. So far, so good. We got to the restaurant, which was in a beautiful location by the harbour. We shared starters, which were excellent. I had no idea what was to happen next and the restaurant owner's ideas of food sharing. There was little wait for the main courses, but that was fine as we were enjoying the evening and I was quite chilled by now. When the mains arrived, only three were delivered to our table of four people. My plate of souvlaki wasn't brought to the table. Even now, I still wasn't stressed as I just assumed my main course would arrive shortly. After about five minutes, my main course hadn't arrived, but it was okay as the restaurant owner was walking to our table. He asked us if everything was okay as waiting staff do and then it suddenly dawned on him that I was still awaiting my main course. Now what do you think happened? I assumed he would apologise and say my food was on its way but no. He picked up the plate of the food my son was eating and proceeded to scrape half the food (laughs) left on his plate onto the empty plate in front of me. Now I was absolutely flabbergasted and this has never happened to me in any restaurant anywhere ever. I don't think it happened to anybody in any restaurant <laughs> no. anywhere ever. He then said he would get some, me some more food. Instead of challenging this incident, as I'm sure I would have done on any other occasion, I burst out laughing. Eventually, my main course did arrive. Finally, I think the restaurant owner realised from looking at the faces of the rest of my family that we were surprised at his actions. Still, I didn't complain and the restaurant owner then offered us some free metaxa and yet more free metaxa. I don't know how I'm saying these words. Then a female member of the waiting staff came over to tell me what a wonderful person I was and proceeded to start rubbing (laughs) my shoulders. Still, I didn't complain. We finally left after paying the bill. About, well, I just want to think about the conversation that led to her coming in. I mean, it's quite bleak, isn't it? But, like, led to her what had the boss said? Oh, I don't Look, know. You need, you need to go and make this right. I don't give him a shoulder <laughs> we finally left after paying the bill and got the taxi back to the hotel. The next day, the same people who recommended this restaurant in the first place asked if we enjoyed the restaurant. And we said, yes, we had a great evening. Should I have complained and made a scene or just accepted what was happening as I did? No. It's given you a great story. There's also, 
something about being on holiday. <laughs> yeah. That um that a colourful character. Yes. Sometimes. It's sort of what you want from a restaurant. Yeah, I'd yeah, yeah. rather that happened than got my main course on time. You've got a story, you've got a colourful evening. Yes. I think don't complain. Yeah. You want him to do it more, not less, let's face it. Do you feel that that profession, not just like running restaurants, but 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 being a waiter, mm. like most people are kind of proficient and polite. Mm. And then occasionally you get very strange idiosyncratic people and it's impossible to tell whether they're a good waiter or not right. because their personalities are so over the top. Yes, yes, that you yes. Think, oh, this is marvellous. Yes, yes. And then you think, oh, they must be like, re- for some reason you assume they must be really seasoned and experienced, but they've got this real personality. Oh, yeah. And then like when you've asked for the bill 15 times and they still haven't br- brought it or yeah, your main yeah. hasn't turned up, you yeah, think, yeah. oh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that a colourful character is. It, it does always just mean that you are a highly proficient, skilled career waiter at the no, same time. Definitely but not. But no, no. I mean, that's that's what you 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 know. You wouldn't want it in your um in your local restaurant, would you? But no. But I think on, holiday, on a holiday, that's exactly what you. And want. it's not the restaurant we're going to every yeah. night. It was a no, one-off. No. I would say. Think think about the best meal you've ever eaten, right? Mm-hmm. And now think about that meal. Mm. Which one have you, you told people about more? Exactly, exactly. Okay, we're in full agreement on that. Let's go on to Zoe's. I would describe myself as a half drifter. I'm a civil servant and work, and in a work context, I'm a social butterfly. I have lots of friends and will initiate conversations, go to social events. This is because there is a common language and a way of doing things, so I know the terms of engagement. I love that description. I think mm. I can relate to that. I can never figure out. I wish I could. I wish I could figure out the codes mm. and the of the ways that people interact with mm. each other. But I've, that's something I've never been good at, really. Okay. However, but, I, but I love the sound of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, outside of work, I'm a drifter. I don't like asking for things from waiting staff. I keep a small set of friends and don't like going to events where I don't know people and having to hold conversations that are not about the civil service or politics. I am pregnant and recently I joined an online session at the hospital. Towards the end, the midwife asked us all to go on camera and say how many weeks we were and if we'd thought about our birth plan. At this point, I clicked the leave call button. (laughs) My partner laughed at me, but I honestly didn't think I could hold this conversation with people I never met. I've now been to my first pregnancy yoga class. It said it would be 90 minutes, which I thought was a bit long. I was right. It was not 60 minutes of yoga and 30 minutes of chatting over tea. They asked me questions like, how am I feeling? Do you have any tips on socialising with other parents? Are there any ways out of this? Or is this my life for the next 18 years? Can I say something straight away here? Because I feel very, 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 very strongly about this. Nobody warns you. Nobody tells you what having a child involves socially. Nobody says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to talk to all these people. You're going to have to go to all these parties. You're going to have to do all these things. You're going to have to like sit in a room and say how many weeks pregnant you are. All of these things, nobody warns you. And I feel like we should be all given a document to read through and think about it very carefully before you make any decisions yeah, about whether to have that, children think, or not. I think, I think that's right. The social aspect is massive. Yeah, I mean, in a way that isn't great. I think I've managed to duck out of a lot of it. Oh, right. I feel like I very much haven't. Yeah. I feel that um, I make up for it in sort of division of childcare. Okay, yeah. So I think I overcompensate with that and about how I engage with our son. 
mm-hmm. a bit more perhaps. But then I, I almost completely abdicate myself from anything social and I don't think it's great. We did one of those NCT classes and the first day I hated it so much and I really didn't want to go back for the next day. And then Sarah got swine flu. <laughs> I was so happy. Even though she got swine flu while pregnant, you were she, happy. She was hospitalised. My God, and, and, and you were still happy. And, yeah, <gasps> and, you know, once once I knew everything was safe, I was just relieved that I didn't have to go back to the NCT the next day. Oh, God. And, and actually, like, um, one of our best friends, like Sarah has kept from that NCT group two, two of the, whatever it would have been, six... Um, pregnant women are, are close friends of hers mm-hmm. and they, they are people we see but i just can't like, i wish i could but sometimes like the dads will have a night out and i, I can't do it can't. I, ju- I just can't do it because mm. i'm just too uncomfortable i've got nothing to say i think i'm ruining everybody else's <laughs> night sucking the energy out mm. i just you know so i just look rude mm. and i suppose i am rude but i also think you wouldn't enjoy me being there and I wouldn't enjoy being there. Mm, mm. Why, why must we go through, why, why must we go through this charade? And it's not just about you as the parent having to socialise. There's also, if you've got social anxiety, try and begin to imagine what it's like worrying about your child and how they're socialising with other children and are they being invited to different birthday parties or not being invited. To, like it's a whole other thing as well. It's, it's, oh. I know, it's hard. I know, it's I know, so hard, I know. and no one talks about it, and nobody warns you. I know you've got to let you. I know it's saying, "Oh, you got to let that go." I mean, it's it's the the job of a lifetime, isn't mm. it? But that's the work you need to do on yourself. As we were saying last week, a little bit, you you need to let because your kid is fine, um, and the only reason they won't be fine is if they start getting the message from you. Oh, that reminds that me, some, something off about them. We, I heard back from her, and she and she said that she's had like her first week, her daughter, and she's fine. She's totally fine. It's totally oh, fine. that's great. Well, yeah, there you go, it's really you lovely. There yeah, you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have we answered the question? No, it's too late for you, Zoe. You're already pregnant. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you can do what I've done. Yes, yes. So I mean, it depends on your partner. But if your partner is willing to shoulder more of that than you are, mm. then you can. I wonder if it, there is a uh, an uncomfortable thing here in that the pregnant woman just is is forced into doing more of it. Because that's what, you know, those those classes demand it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, I don't know, like, I really like the people we're still in touch with mm. from our NCT group. And I quite like some of the people were not. And the, the, there were only a few that I took an active dislike. <laughs> <laughs> but the... The point is this that like that that I can, I can do okay with the ones that we you know that we're friends with. I can do fine with them one on one. I just can't do can't do groups. But mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if you've quite got that luxury as the pregnant woman. So if there is no way out of it, and the fact that it probably is your life for the next maybe not eighteen years, let's say ten fifteen years, any tips on socialising? I think it's hard because. You tend to fall, or I tend to fall to default talking about the children. Then I, then I get proud of. They think that I've got nothing to say other than talk about my child. Yeah. So that's difficult. I mean, I have been to some kids' birthday parties, and I feel that I, I just repel people. Like I, I just whatever <laughs> other people do, mm. where they're talking to each other about nothing, mm-hmm. and it's going fine. Mm. I, ca- I can't imitate that thing. Oh gosh. 
That's hard. I'm not saying that I'm incapable of talking to somebody. We've just sat and talked for an hour before we switched the microphones on. I can what talk is it, what to my is friends. What is it then that you feel that you're not able to imitate then? Maybe maybe it's their relaxed state that you're picking up on. No, but, but people talk about, I don't understand. Like if I try and eavesdrop on other people's conversations. They're talking about And this nothing. can be real, real life or it can mm. be like if I ever dip into something like Love Island. Yeah. People are talking about nothing. Well, they're the boring ones. You're probably trying to start an interesting conversation. But people don't want an interesting conversation conversation i do but (laughs) there aren't many of you this is the problem there should be there should be but but people just want to talk about people want to talk about nothing and if you don't talk about nothing you seem strange and and then you feel strange because you seem strange to that person Mm -hmm. i often feel too scared to get to the good stuff (sighs) but i I want to leap in with something and i think oh no keep keep it boring i don't know how to i don't know how to I don't. I'm not saying don't know how to be boring because I think I am quite <laughs> boring. But I don't know how to be acceptably boring. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there should be lessons on that how to be acceptably boring. Yeah. Oh no, we don't need more of that because I can ask a lot of questions. Well, that's yeah. That's that's what you do then. No, but but then then it, it's too much for, it, for people. Feel like they're at the Spanish Inquisition Cause I because do I because I have nothing. I, I genuinely have nothing to offer. Right. I don't. I don't. I was thinking if somebody was asking me these questions, I I wouldn't know what to say in return. Mm. But uh, that's that's my that's usually my thing. Just ask, keep asking questions. I'm just saying it to fill. It's awful. People shouldn't have to interact with each other. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go, Zoe. That's our advice to you. You're going to be fine. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a story for us, or if you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, or if you'd like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And uh, what should I finish this week with? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is, uh, this is a water softening company. I, I don't know how to help you. This comes from Gillian Brooks, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. I'd like to ask for a podication for all your non-drifter listeners, which mm. I hope isn't too controversial. Mm. No, we'll take everyone. Yes, please. I mean, I think it's a harder sell to the non-drifter. Well, I think she goes on to say why it may not be. Well, let's uh, let's read on, mm. Macduff. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm sharing a guilty secret. And I've often thought about writing in, but I've never plucked up the courage until now. I thought I'd simply continue to lurk at the back of the room and listen to your world and life experiences, which, ironically, is probably quite a driftery thing to do. Mm. It's, it's true. Mm. Um, I listen to the show even though I can't identify as a drifter my, myself. I feel like you've given me a window into the life of a drifter that I otherwise have no understanding or insight into. I'm not exactly a loud, obnoxious type, but I'm definitely an extrovert, love social interaction and attending social events and parties. 
listening to you both every week and the quandaries that other drifters send in, I have a much better understanding of how drifters feel and what they typically find excruciating. I feel like you've helped me and other non-drifter listeners out there have a better understanding of our fellow human beings. That's, that's that's all we've been trying to do, spread some empathy around. We should be on the curriculum. We should. Isn't that lovely, though? That hadn't occurred to me. No, me neither. Really? No, it's nice. Um, also, Annabelle, this week you talked about a device to prove who is more tired, you or Tom. My partner has a, is this an Aura Ring or an Oura Ring? O-U-R-A, which kind of does that. I haven't got one, though. Um, so we don't use it for a game of top trumps yet. But maybe we will once I get my own. It shows your sleep score from the night time as well as your readiness score for the day ahead based on lots of biometric data it collects from you. If you and Tom had one of those each, mm. it might give you the tired trump card that you really need sometimes when deciding on who should get up in the night or first thing in the morning with your son. Okay, I, need, I definitely need to get this, definitely. I think some of these Silicon Valley types have, have one of these. I've, I've, I wouldn't have been able to pluck that word oh, okay. out of thin air, but I've, I've definitely heard about these. Really? Oh, yeah. I want it even more now. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like I've really outed myself, and I'm hoping there are other non-drifters who feel the same as me. Thanks so much. Gillian, well, that is really fascinating. Firstly, I'm so pleased that you wrote to us. Mm. Secondly, it's fascinating that you're able to listen to it with that level of um, curiosity about other people's experience. Mm. Because I think, I don't know, maybe I'm stereotyping extroverted, more typical people, but, um, you know, I, I think it must just sound, oh, come on, snap out of it to a lot of people. Mm-mm. I think that's how we sound. Mm. <laughs> but maybe that is me being prejudiced about the non, non-drifter experience. Maybe I don't is. know. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, is there a way we drifters can get an insight into the non-drifter experience. But I think, in some respects, most of culture is... <laughs> most of society and culture is, is that. So, um, But I really, really appreciate you uh, emailing in, Gillian, and I really appreciate you listening. So there you go. If you would like a podcast, a podication, um, a podcast dedication, then you can email us, drifter or non-drifter. Likely drifter, but who knows? The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 